Welcome back to another take from We Killing It. I'm Tyler. I'm Matt. Kindy. Before we go in today's episode, I just wanted to take a second to say thank you so much for listening, squad, and for helping this show by liking on YouTube or leaving a five-star ratings and positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show get on the charts and for more people like us to discover it. So thank you again so very much. And without further ado, on to the fun. What is going on, squad? Today on We Killing It, we started a three-part take on M. Night Shyamalan's comic-themed trilogy. We're all so excited to do this film. It is unbreakable. It's a 2000 M. Night Shyamalan film. Uh, it stars Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, Spencer Clark, Robin Wright, and Charlene Woodard. Uh, the director of photog- photography is Eduardo Serra. If I'm not mistaken, Kendi, you've seen this before, right? I've seen it maybe twice before, yep. Okay. All right. And Matt, you too, right? I- I've seen it once or twice before, yeah, but I didn't I didn't really remember too much of it. Okay. Um now the great part about this and most other M. Night Shyamalan movies is you can watch them a bunch of times because the great part about these movies is the stuff that goes on in the background. And the stuff that you didn't notice the first time. Yeah, I like how he inserts himself into the movie too later. It's a really nice touch. Mm-hmm. Oh, he I does like- that in all his movies. He's he does he's got a Stanley cameo in every one of his movies, bro. Yeah. I love it. That's how I would do it, man. Me too, right? man. Um. Okay. So I guess that we just start out with the you know the film. It starts out with a baby being born in Philadelphia. Um, it, it's he's so brittle that he's born with broken arms and legs and it's it's crazy reaction from the doctor because you know especially the time in which this baby was born you know he looks at at the the all the white doctors and nurses and he's like you know what what did you do to this baby like did you drop this baby because i'm sure a baby with broken arms and legs looks crazy messed up you know what i mean yeah right that baby was in so much pain Oh, oh, it's terrible. And it wouldn't stop crying. It's terrible. All that mom wanted was her baby back, too. He was like, what's wrong with him? Can I have my baby back? Yeah, bro. It's messed up. As he gets older, he's taunted in school and called by his classmates. Uh, since he's so fragile, they call him Mr. Glass. And as an adult, he runs a pretty successful high-priced comic book art gallery specializing in original drawings of superheroes. David Dunn is a security guard. He's played by, Mr. Glass is played by Samuel L. Jackson, and David Dunn is played by Bruce Willis. You know, welcome to the party, pal. He's a a security guard at a local college stadium, and, you know, his marriage is falling apart. In fact, his wife, Audrey, is sleeping downstairs in their son's room while David sleeps upstairs with his son, which is like, there's a lot of cute moments in it. But if you like really think about that, that's so it, sad, bro. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man. This kid is like holding his parents together with all his might. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad, man. On his way back home from a job interview in New York. David because he's planning on leaving to start his new life in New York without his without his wife and David's train malfunction and derails killing everyone on board except for David he doesn't even have a scratch 
and it's i love i love this scene because he's uh, afterwards he's sitting in the hospital and he just woke up he doesn't know what's going on and the doctor is like asking him all these crazy questions but the shot itself is it's it's back in the next like uh curtained area over and you you're you're just hearing the beeping of this this patient and you see this body there and then slowly like as they're talking blood comes out of the body and like the patient dies and it's real nuts yeah the mm-hmm. entire scene is just it's just so dark and and it keeps you it keeps you there in that moment just silently listening to the doctor and then watching this body get worked on and then bleed out and it's it's really suspenseful and, and i love it it's also very very off-putting too because you know this guy he just woke up and now this doctor's asking him all these questions while there's another a guy. lot of another guy just right there in front of him, like not surviving, basically. Yeah. And it's just such a discordant way to wake up and try to figure out what's going on. Oh, for sure. And, you know, just before that, he was like flirting with some sports lady and then she was like, you know, being friendly with him. And then he got a little too creepy and then she kind of dipped out but like literally that happened and then this and then this happened and then you know that little girl like stared at him with like more judgment than i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> bro for real the little like, girl in the seat in front of him it was a cute it was a cute scene from the beginning though you know like the first time he saw her she was all upside down in between the seat and then yeah he tries talking up the girl and then she leaves and the little girl is just like bro no. bro roasted but it makes me sad too because you know that little girl didn't survive. Yeah, man, it's really oh, it's just crazy. you know he had that cute little moment with her and then she's just gone. This man well, is dealing with a lot when he wakes up. When it when it comes to that situation, there's a devastating train crash, and there are no survivors except for David, and he doesn't even have a scratch. After the memorial service for the crash victims, David finds a note on his windshield and it's from a store called Limited Edition. And this envelope is gorgeous, like baby blue paper. And it's like really pretty, like silver embossed font. And it's like dark blue on the inside of the envelope. Like even the, just the envelope was fire. Like the envelope was dressed <laughs> it, in the eyes. The envelope was making a statement. This is not <laughs> your run of the mill rando stalker. This is a high class stalker. <laughs> right. The, this, uh, this isn't just some random mail. No, no. This is this is this is a parcel. that that limited edition store is actually mr glass's store uh mr glass is actually his actual name is elijah price but for all intents and purposes and for the rest of this saga i'm gonna call him mr glass as and the note itself it says how many days of your life have you been sick which is a really interesting question like who who the hell knows how many days of their life they've been sick but uh David asks his boss, he asks his wife, and no one can remember him being sick. In fact, when we were watching it, like his wife, like she was getting kind of like attitude about it or like uncomfortable, maybe like with just thinking about it. And she started yeah. being like, you know, pushed off by it. Yeah. He got a he got a forty dollar a week raise from his boss though because out of five years of working there he's yeah. called off sick. <laughs> that guy was like, yeah, that's a smart way to get a raise, buddy. 
Like I never <laughs> I seen like, it okay. like that before. Like I'll take it, but that that wasn't the point. But thank you. But but thank you. <laughs> yeah, man, bro, that's a huge raise. When no one can explain to David why he's sick, he takes his son, he takes his son Joseph to limited edition where he meets Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass then explains oh a theory gosh. to David. I love, love, love the limited edition store. Dude, like it's before, so fire. Everything's all clean and and glass a, and stuff. Yeah, it's a super pretty gallery. And like before, before David and Joseph go in there elijah or mr glass is talking to another customer inside already and he's showing him one of it one of the pieces. pieces and the quote is this is from fritz champion's own library this is before the first issue of the comic book hit the stands in 1968 it's a classic depiction of good versus evil notice the square jaw of slayer common in most comic book heroes and the slightly disproportionate size of jaguaro's body to his head this again is common but only in villains the thing to notice about this piece the thing that makes it very very special is its realistic depiction of its figures when the characters eventually made it into the magazine they were exaggerated as always happens this is vintage and it's just so amazing because that comic, that piece of the first edition was made before that comic was released. And that was the first comic he ever got from his mom. Yeah, because before that, we saw we saw a scene of Glass as a younger kid, probably like 12, and his mother's trying to force him outside. And she does it by putting a present out there and he opens it up and it's that comic book that Matt's talking about. Yeah. And I'm talking about that scene when they pan up the window to see the purple present outside the window. Like it, that's, that's just a great scene. And a great shot. Uh, so Mr. Glass explains his theory to David. If glass, if, if Mr. Glass can be born with brittle bones and very easily hurt, shouldn't there be someone the exact opposite he's researched every disaster to find a sole survivor without a scratch and he's had no luck and after years of searching he finally found one in david dunn david thinks it's interesting but really and just I thinks it's nuts say too, at the scene when they're talking everything visually is off kilter it's nothing is centered nothing's quite framed like it would be to be as if they were aligning because david's in denial he doesn't really believe mr glass or he doesn't want to admit it yeah i feel so i, I feel like everything is shot really at an, yeah everything is shot at an angle and you can visually see the discordance between them as well as hear it in what they're saying i agree it's a great shot it's a great scene in general sorrow does a really good job uh, of showing what they're thinking just through the camera Mm -hmm. i i also love that um they it's act it's active comics instead of action comics which was a, a really i thought cool it was little, action comics little thing. my brain just auto rewrote that just... for me. <laughs> uh, and i also love that like i love glasses so you know he that piece that you were talking about in your quote that rich guy was trying to buy it and then he was like my son will love it and I really love how Glass reacts because 
it's art that what especially what glass was selling is precious art. that was that precious was like art. a yeah that was like a that was like a drawing of the cover before it was the cover that literally and it was encased in glass mm. and shit and he was like you know no you're not you're, you're not, not giving you're not this to your, your four-year-old four no. son you can leave now goodbye and i i appreciate that you know because a lot of people think that comic books and toys are always for children but that's oh, not no. the case you know if that was the case some toys wouldn't cost 350 dollars and some comic books wouldn't be thousands of yeah. dollars. They're important <laughs> stories and they're important ways of chronicling what's going on between the scenes for the people that write them. Yeah, I, for sure. I actually have the quote for when he's telling that guy off. Oh, go for it. Do you see any Teletubbies in here? Do you <laughs> see a slender plastic tag clipped to my shirt with my name printed on it? Do you see a little Asian child with a blank expression on his face sitting outside on a mechanical helicopter that shakes you when you put quarters in it? No? Well, that's <laughs> what you see at a toy store. And you must think you're in a toy store because you're here shopping for an infant named Jeb. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. great. He's so offended, bro. That and I just want to throw in there when David when David thinks is he's like hearing all these explanations and he's he's starting to think that this guy's crazy. David's son Joseph completely and one hundred percent bites in. Now he is young, but he he's down. He's, <laughs> he's like, like this is true. This is this is this is the truth right here. Well, sure. He's seen his dad walk away from this horrific train crash. Like that man didn't even have. A singe on him. Yeah. It leaves mental, <laughs> right, but it right. doesn't leave anything physical. Right. Right. It's always left a heavy mental because of that, in my opinion. I feel like since he's For lost sure. that one, it elevates another field. For sure. I agree completely. There's, there's a lot of survivor's guilt going on in both cases, honestly, Mr. Glass and David. So David and Joseph leave, and uh, David goes back to do his job at the stadium and david gets a call on his radio that there's someone trying to sneak in and he's asking for him and it's mr glass and he starts explaining his comic book theories to david in more depth theories about everyday men being superheroes and having powers that they haven't yet realized and so on and so forth david bumps into a guy in line and tells the security at the end of the line to start frisking people they watch as the guy David bumped into sees everyone being frisk and leaves the line. Mr. Glass asks David, you know, what that was about and why did David tell him that he bumped into him? And it was because David had an image of a certain type of handgun, a, a silver handgun with a, with a black uh, pistol grip. That's my favorite of his powers. Like, it's really mm -hmm. cool to be indestructible and all, but this man's heart or whatever is so His good that he sees he sees the inner evil and the evil that they're doing inside people and that's really cool he has a touch sense and it seems i don't know if it's just his reaction to seeing it or if he's also getting like an emotional feedback from it too because it's a lot we do find out a little bit more of it in Split, but there, I do, I do believe he gets the uh, fear that the victims are mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a heavy one. <laughs> Talk about kryptonite, bro. Bro, I'm saying Glass follows that guy. So he sees him. He like, like uh, David tells Glass to, you know, try to get in with a real ticket next time. And 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 David goes back to work. And and Mr. Glass sees that guy. So he follows him to the train station. Yeah. Now, I want to give a slight trigger warning for this. A couple of slight trigger warnings for this movie. Uh, in Inside this film, there is a very gross display of racism that unfortunately is very common in uh, the United States, uh, where a uh, group of, of Black people are assaulted, as well as there is a lot of pain in this movie. Uh, Mr. Glass is, he's glass for bones, basically. So he gets there, it's pain, it feels painful and you can feel it, especially in this next scene, because he's trying to find out if this guy's got a gun and chasing him down the stairs into the subway he falls oh man does he and fall it <laughs> it's so oh. rough his his cane shatters and he falls and you just hear his bones break you know the guy jumps the turnstile the the guy he was chasing and and glass sees the pistol in his waistband exactly where david said it was going to be and he kind of like smiles and then passes yeah. out so much pain <laughs> vindication <laughs> i was like well and was I it worth it no nah, man he um, wakes up from that and his leg is completely demolished yeah yeah he ends up having that metal thing with the pins in it holding it together oof oof and then after after we see him fall like peter griffin um as as rude as that might be but like he falls exactly like peter griffin um we see david getting off the bus and then seeing his son and a bunch of other kids and a quarterback playing football on a field and his son is just so happy to see him like throughout throughout the en entirety of the scene like until the very next scene like he is just Bro, and through the entirety of this film, this kid loves his daddy more than any kid has ever loved their <laughs> Bro, daddy. Bro, he's like 100% attached to that dad. <laughs> um, But back at the park, he's just like, come on. Like, you know, I told them you'd be good at football and you, you got another big guy that you can play with over there. And it was the quarterback that we heard about on the train from that, from that. Uh, she was a newscaster. A newscaster. A newscaster. Yeah. It was the Tampa quarterback that she was talking about, and he was like, "I'm good. I don't want to do that. Your mom would kill you if you found if she found out you were playing football." And the kid was just like, "You're not gonna Bro. tell, though, right?" <laughs> Bro, <laughs> a lot of you're not gonna tell a mom. Lot of right? trauma around no. football with this family. Yeah, I love that part. I love I love that part because he's like, "You want to play? Do you want to play? Do you want to play?" And he's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna work out." And then he like the kids like, "Guys, I can't play, but I gotta go work out with my dad." Yeah, <laughs> whatever dad wants to do is what we're doing. Oh, he's man. so cute. They go back home, and you know David's working out in the basement with his weight set, uh, and he tells his son to put some weight on, and you know his son believed everything that was being said about david being a hero and david still doesn't believe it david has his son put the weights on and you know he's just going jo yeah he's just pushing it joseph puts the weight on and then he's just mm -hmm. pushing it he asks him how much he's pushing and he's like 
uh, I don't know how much is that. And David turns around, it's 250. Like, too much. That's too much. Like, <laughs> hurt somebody. It's too much. <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay, um, uh, I'll take it off. I'll take it off. Okay. Yeah. And we then, hear some and clinking he, around he, and <gasps> struggling and and he pushes and pushes and pushes and he's like, okay, how much was that? And the little kid's like, I lied. I feel it. <laughs> it was great. He added more weight, and they and it's like it was like basically three hundred pounds. And then David put on some paint cans because then he got real curious, uh, which is like you know ten pounds of weight, uh, ten pounds of a paint can. So he had four of them on there. And with each addition of weight, the kid steps back a little bit further in case something oh spectacular gosh. explodes or something. And I don't know what they thought was going to happen. It was like, look, man. <laughs> that last one where he was behind the door frame. Like, if something <laughs> happens, what do you do? Go get mom. Go get mom. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you can see the look on his face with the last one. He's contemplating what he's about to do. If this is my breaking <laughs> yeah. point, this is going to break my neck. Okay. And if you Let's think about it, it as an average, like, you know, because he's he's basically an average show, but with superpowers that he didn't even know this about this entire <laughs> time. So, like, this is his his training montage. You know, like how Tony Stark had a, a really dope, like, training flying montage. This is the average show montage when he's just working out in his basement. Trying to find the limit. So then he's <laughs> all agog. The kid's all agog and just you know hero worship dialed up to a thousand yeah like oh my god yep. you are god and, and and then let's go have dinner oh no yeah 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 the kid mr glass needs his leg rehabbed and his nurse just so happens to be audrey david's wife or soon to be ex-wife he's asking her weird questions and then he starts asking her about David and he really gets to her because she's like, actually, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about you. And then she like starts to talk to him. And then she's like, then she goes back to like, I couldn't, I couldn't marry a football player. This conversation is really interesting because Audrey says some weird stuff. So we find out that David was in a car accident and he was injured and no longer allowed to play football. That he was a star um, football player for his town. Right, he was probably gonna go pro, yeah. just like the guy that we were we were talking about earlier that was playing football with the kids, the Tampa quarterback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Audrey says to Glass, she says, "Fate stepped in and ruined my husband's dream, so we could be happy together." Ew. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's Ew. But she wrong. later says to David, "I would never wish that you get injured to save our relationship." So. Very different ever things that she's saying there. I don't even think she's being honest to herself. Nah. She's just saying shit. <laughs> David never played football again. And it was because of that. That she and she and David were married and they continued. But if he continued to play, she knows that they would have grown apart. Which is like a lot. Yeah. A lot. Uh, back at work, David gets a call from his son's school that his son has been hurt. His son had hoped that some of David's superhero traits had rubbed off on him. He tried to protect someone that was being picked on, and instead he got hurt in the process. Yeah. 
you know, that's, that's a pretty old, uh, tale. We've, you know, we've any, any good hearted person's probably been there. The school nurse, there's a weird conversation between the school nurse and David at that point. The school nurse is like, he's not really badly hurt. It's just a couple of scratches. You know, it's, it's, it's not near as bad as it was when I sent you to the hospital and David's like, what, what are you talking about? What? Like, what do you mean? And she starts telling this crazy story about when David was a little boy and he drowned and laid at the bottom of the pool for five minutes. And but somehow survived. They pulled him out. Right. They like somehow survived. And that would have caused brain damage because anything past five minutes causes brain damage. Sure. I don't know. That must be where he got his powers. I don't know where he got his powers, but it had to be after that. You know what I mean? Unless he always had his powers and, you know, just anybody who puts water in their lungs is going to die. Yeah. It was a lot because he said he had pneumonia too. So uh -huh. it's only a weakness to a water-based problem. That yeah. was the only time he got sick. And then the nurse says, you know, it was because of this, uh, because of David, that they have like real strict rules at the pool now. And I'm curious why David suppressed this memory. Out of all the memories that have happened to David, he suppressed this memory and the car crash. Is it because he's never felt pain that he... Any pain that he does have, he suppresses it. You know what I'm saying? Mm, it could be. Or it's overwhelming his brain. Yeah. Oh, no. David immediately calls Mr. Glass and tells that story. That, in fact, David can get hurt. Tells him that every... But then Mr. Glass tells him, you know, every superhero has a weakness. David's kryptonite must be water. The water from the pool and the water from the icy roads. Mm. Now, David's wife is really wishy-washy throughout this whole film. She really doesn't know what she wants. So <laughs> it's very confusing for the viewer and for David. Yeah, uh, she's all over the place. <laughs> you know, she decides that him surviving the train crash is a sign that, you know, they, they, need to, they need to stay together. They need to fix it. They need to go out. You know, she says, you can pick me up from a date anytime you want to. Let's just start uh, over. Like, um. Yeah he explains to her that he felt their marriage was over when he stopped walking or he stopped waking her up to tell her that he had a bad dream, you know, cause they're sitting at dinner and she's like, so he's like asking questions and trying to forget it. And they're just having drinks and he's trying to have a good time with her. And he asks her like a normal question. And then she goes, when do you think it all started falling apart? Oh, thanks. Which is like, so it's very interesting to me how she breached that subject in the first place. It was the wrong time. But he says, you know, when I when I started having bad dreams and I stopped waking up, waking you up to tell you. And that's kind of freaking sad, y'all. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they drifted apart for a long time, it seems like. Mm -hmm. The next night. David breaks into the train station and examines some of the wrecked trains. He starts recalling his own car crash from years earlier, and he remembers that he wasn't hurt at all. In fact, he had to use his above-normal strength to rescue Audrey from the flaming vehicle. Yeah, he just and tore that door open. Bro, he Hercules. Yeah. Did. He was like... It was amazing. <laughs> it warped the car. <laughs> And then he like carried her over and the guy was like, are you hurt? Are you hurt? Are you hurt? And I guess he was like, yeah, my knee, my <laughs> knee, you know, I got a <laughs> <laughs> bro. Um, 
he actually calls Glass and tells Glass immediately, yo, I wasn't hurt in that car accident. And Glass knew, you know. Yeah. He was just like, okay, fine, you're right. He tells Glass he's never been sick or injured in any way. He tells him it's no coincidence. Uh, Glass tells him it's no coincidence that David is in the security field. He needs to go where people are and protect them. And so David does. It's a really rainy day, and David is wearing his his like security poncho for the field, and he heads to Penn Station. There's hundreds of people. It's Penn Station. Like there's. There's, if not hundreds, like a thousand people in this one place. He like is like moving his body and spreading out his hands so he can just touch him just a little bit, right? Touch him just a little bit. He gets some really crazy flashes. And I'm going to give a trigger warning for this part too, because it's a little rough. Mm -hmm. Right before David did this, he was telling his son and his wife was also telling his son that. There was no power and he was denying it. He was saying, no, we don't have this. And David's son, like literally believed that more than Mr. Glass did. And he was like having a mental breakdown. And there's a trigger warning here, but um, they yeah. <laughs> literally turn around and Joseph is sitting at a table with a snub nose pistol. Like, and I like, I would have, my heart would have, my heart would have fallen through my feet. <laughs> Gun safety, David. <laughs> <laughs> he was like don't worry he oh, doesn't know where the bullets are bruh yeah it's not loaded it's okay uh, joseph did you load that pistol yeah, yeah. the bullets Shit. are behind the trophy i don't even know how to handle something like this because if you scare that kid you're gonna get shot like there's just so many situations like so many things that lead to you getting shot in this mm, situation all the yeah anxiety. that's just so sketchy like the kid is Man. just like at his wit's end, you know, he's seen this most amazing thing and everyone's just denying it. He's like, come on. Yeah. You can't get hurt. Yeah. Why are you lying? Man. Yeah. And he he goes, I love the line. It's a messed up scene. It is a really messed up scene and, and gun safety is not something to play with, but they, they, he's like, if you shoot me with that, I'm going to die. I don't have superpowers and I will die if you shoot me with that. And the kid's like, I'll just shoot him once. I'll just shoot him once. <laughs> you know, just <this> says <laughs> Casually. And then to get him, Joseph, to understand, David bites in. And he's like, look, I do have superpowers, but if you shoot me with that, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to leave you. And, you know, you know, that works. He just starts <laughs> crying. Like, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. It's like, this is the coolest thing from Obviously a little kid's point works. of view. My dad's a superhero. Wait, why aren't we doing a superhero thing? You know, <laughs> and all he sees is his parents being sad and unhappy, and his kid just breaks. Yeah, it's it's insane. He's just so heartbroken. You know, nobody's listening. It's just and it's just so apart. it's it's just tearing him apart. David is walking around Penn Station and he's he's feeling people and he starts to get images and then in this part there's another little bit of a trigger warning because we do see some pretty disturbing things like the first thing we see is a woman pointing at a she's got like a she's at a jewelry store and she's got this thing that the jeweler is showing her and she points and he turns and she steals one of the bracelets and then he touches another person and we see a there's a domestic Woman. abuse. There's, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, it's 
it's a really gross display of domestic abuse. And then that's when we also see the the uh, the racist part where they hurt hurt some random people on the street for no reason. And then it goes to some guy with it where it looks like he killed this woman and he's got some others tied up in his house or whatever. Yeah, he's just so like, David can I come to- in? Can I come in? I really yeah. like your house. I think I think you should let me in. No, no, and no. that man should have shut no. the door. Yeah, no, man. yeah, he rips that screen door hard, bro. <laughs> it's messed up. David walks into the neighborhood and he's got the poncho on and it's like flowing behind him, kind of like a Superman cape. It's really, really awesome, actually, because. Like he gets his like superhero shot, like his superhero he getting all movie moment, sneaking right? Sneaking around all stealthy to follow the bad guy. And the bad guy was the janitor at Penn Station. And so he's he followed the middle of a nice neighborhood and and took over that house. And David followed him and sneaks into the back. And he finds the homeowner dead inside. Um, and he goes upstairs and he sees two women tied up. Uh, one to a radiator and one in the bathroom and he goes and he unties them and saves them and then there's a third person tied up and he goes and unties that person and then she falls over she's 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 been dead wait um there's an important scene before that before before he unties her he like walks out onto the balcony and then the murderer is behind him and then tackles him oh yeah you're right he he like he like bum rush tackles him into the pool yeah and the pool so has the tarp on and then it starts sinking in on him and and david is just yeah he's drowning and struggling to get out of the pool that's gotta be scary it'd be awful that's gotta be so scary like drowning is like once that but once that plastic wraps around you that's it bro if it wasn't for the girls he saved I love he yep. saved the babies and then the baby saved him. Yeah. Yep. As it should be. Yeah. When he turns the maintenance worker pushes him into the pool. Uh suddenly the cover starts collapsing and David's weight gets all tangled up underwater with the cover. He's drowning again, but the two sisters force a pole down to him. It's like the the uh, skimmer pole, and David grabs it and he gets pulled up and he's saved. It's like Ooh. uh uh, like like a dramatic gas for like, heart wrenching as yeah. hard as he can. He was like, <laughs> right. and like once he's out of the water, he's fine. Yeah, and he goes yeah. back upstairs and proceeds to Choke not effectively yeah. kick he, butt, he, he, but he kicked some butt. Yeah, he gets he gets on that guy's back <laughs> and he he gets him in that sleeper hold and that guy slams him like keeps like get off of him. Yeah. like he just <laughs> he did a suicide jump into the wall too like he, he, he did, flung he him did everything he could uh, every David bit ends of up life breaking he his had. neck man and just just pulls pulls and pulls and pulls until his neck is broken and this is a big old boy Bruce yeah. Willis is like I don't know Bruce Willis is probably like five nine five ten this dude's like six four six five like he was a big dude. And then the next scene, go ahead. He realizes when he's trying to untie the mom that she's been dead. It was really messed up, man. Like that whole section was messed up. But that's what David's for is to get rid of that evil. That's why he can see their evil. Yeah. The next scene is David back at home hanging up his uh, cape or uh, his uh, poncho <laughs> and carrying his sleeping wife upstairs to their bed. I really like this scene. Because the way the camera is either mounted or next to 
David, it kind of just hovers. There's no like walking motion to the camera. It's just hovering with them. It's really cool. It, it like is showing his strength on holding her. Mm -hmm. He's all nice and steady with her. And she's just gazing up at him like, oh, there you are. Yeah, because she wakes up and asks him what's wrong. And he goes, I had a bad dream. You know, and that was just, that's just a, this is damn good line. That's just a, that's a damn good line. <laughs> In the morning while having breakfast, David slides the newspaper over to his son and holds a finger to his mouth to shush him. And it kind of like points with his eyes and the kid looks at it. And it's a headline that tells of a mystery hero that saved the two girls. And the picture is like an artist's rendition of what the girl saw. And it's like this like <laughs> hood and cape, like superhero pose. It's really cute. And the, the boy looks up. Dude, the boy look like he <laughs> he looks up with so much like awe. Right. Like he's had dead eyes Joseph's the whole face, movie like, and now they're finally bright. Yeah. And it's just big old blue eyes and just, his mouth open and stuff. He looks so happy. David, David's powerful. David just mouths you were right, and is yeah. the final touch. <laughs> Bro, it was great. It was so great. David goes to Mr. Glass's gallery, and this is like the crescendo of the film, where everything's starting to come together. And there's a huge gathering for a special show, and he and David go to Mr. Glass's back office so they can discuss what had happened. Has a you know, Mr. Glass has been in a wheelchair since his fall down the the subway tunnel. Mm -hmm. He's really proud of David, and they shake hands. Suddenly, David has a vision of Mr. Glass setting a building on fire, and another vision of Mr. Glass causing a plane crash, and another vision of Mr. Glass exiting the train that crashed david looks at mr glass his office and he's horrified at what he sees he sees like newspaper clippings of hundreds of disasters from around the world and mr glass seems to be the mastermind behind all of these events and has staged them for his own selfish benefit of trying to find someone someone like that is the opposite of him someone like david and you know david is a hero he backs away in horror as mr glass you know who is in a wheelchair now and looks more like professor x from the x-men proclaims now that we know who you are i know who i am i'm not a mistake it all makes sense in a comic you know how you can tell who the arch villains are going to be he's the exact opposite of the hero and most of the time, they're friends, like you and me. I should have known way back when. You know why, David? Because of the kids. They called me Mr. Glass. And just before the final credits, a message appears that says that David contacted the authorities, and now Mr. Glass is in an institution for the criminally insane. And then the credits roll. Ugh! Oh, it was so good. And I, I have to say, I, I did that whole quote because that's my favorite <laughs> quote in the film. It's just so good. <laughs> and, you know, I Samuel Jackson destroyed this role. You know, mm -hmm. I Bruce Willis plays that, like, sad character that you don't generally see Bruce Willis play. Like, I just loved it. I love, too, when David first gets to this final scene and 
everyone's there at the gallery for the party and he gets to meet Mr. Glass's mother and she's telling him about yeah. the artwork and how in comic books there's always the villain and the superhero and they got to talking about how proud she is of her son and all that he he's accomplished and they get to talking about it's it's amazing all that he's gone through and she gets this kind of look on her face yeah he's gone through a lot of suffering david says it's almost a miracle that he survived and she gets this really haunted look on her face and doesn't really seem to agree or disagree with him and then they yeah, go back to the she, office it makes me wonder how much he knew she and and we'll 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 definitely see it more as we go through Split and and Mr. Glass, which are the other two amazing films in this series. She is not only a detrimental necessary character for this entire series, but she is an excellent character for this series. They chose very well, very very well. The glasses did great. Like I, they both did awesome. Um, the kid, you know, he like most kid actors at that time, you know, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. It was better than the kid from uh, Star Wars, that's for sure. The uh, Anakin, little kid, no, Anakin, we that just was lost awful. a million viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I would say my favorite shots are there that that shot where the where the passenger is dying while the doctor is talking to. David, I really like the whole scene where Glass and his mother are talking and the camera is just looking at like an old bubble TV and the reflection coming off of that glass. And it's the whole the whole scene is through that perspective. And I just think that's such a interesting, different and cool like shot, you know, and the other one was like that was like that was there was like a shot where it was through a window and a curtain. And that was also just a crazy cool shot. I I feel like I've never seen before, except for in this movie. What about uh What about you, Kendi? Do you got a favorite shot? For my favorite scenes, it's really when they're showing the touch sense that David has in the crowd. I know it's a lot, and they're all very emotionally charged scenes. But it but it is it's cool. a cool way to illustrate how he sees what's going on and how he picks who's a higher target oh yeah for sure yeah definitely Matt? um i'd have to say just for the visual is what i picked my favorite shot off of but it's after the whole situation with joseph and the gun the the mom audrey and david they they go to a bar and get a babysitter so that they can they can have some them time you know have a date and just yeah. the opening scene where they're sitting in the middle of the shot and the this beautiful mural is like like warmly lit and then there's the bustling of people but you don't ever really realize it you know it's focused in on david and audrey and the art and i just i think it's beautiful i agree they really made a very cozy scene so i would give this film a four out of five and the only reason I'm giving it a four is because I believe that in some points of the movie, it does get a little slow. But as a whole, I think this movie is spectacular. I am curious to what, what you guys actually think, though. So, uh, Matt, what, what would you give this film? I thought it was a great film, and I'm giving it a five out of five. Let's go. <laughs> 
What about you, Candy? I give the film a four out of five. It is beautiful. It is well done. M. Night's not one of my favorite directors just because there is so much anxiety in his films and that's just a personal thing for me i don't like having to check my blood pressure throughout the whole movie (laughs) and he leaves it on that so much and i know that's because there's other movies in the series but this one got left on that high anxiety like incomplete note for a long time for years they didn't make the second movie in so long because this movie came out in 2000 and 2000 and split didn't come out until 2016 because he had to make he had to make the money to be able to do whatever he wanted to make this movie right to get that creative license and people just leave him alone to tell a story exactly because everybody was like everybody was like what is this like when because unbreakable needs split and mr glass in order to to like fully make sense and when he released unbreakable everybody was like what is this and then like it it can't it got that folk got cult following you know and once you get that cult following you can start to do stuff (laughs) it's it took a little while (laughs) it's fun and and squad we got two more parts for this going and we got a special guest coming oh yeah that's right oh yeah (laughs) So that's coming up next and we're going to try to do that on the next take. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And as always, I have been Tyler. I've been Matt. I'm Kendi. And And we we killed killed it. it. Be Killing It podcast is written by us, Tyler Mislick, Kendra Parrish, and Matthew Johnson. Video is shot and edited by Matt and it is produced and the sound is done by Tyler. Thank you for listening.